I wanted someone for the rest of my life. Those footsteps are the sounds of Michelle as she walked away hurriedly and resolutely from her final meeting with the man she'd fallen in love with just 12 months earlier. Up until the last time I spoke to him, he said to me, I will never love anyone the way I love you. I'd wanted that all my life. The captain was a captain of a major airline. Oh, yes, I ironed that uniform many times. And when I first heard his voice, I was so excited because it was gorgeous. He said all the right things and wanted to do the things that I wanted to do and live the life happily that I wanted. I told him I loved him on my birthday and he told me he loved me too. So as you're introducing him, nobody says, none of the friends, none of the family say, um, just one little thing. No one has any suspicions? Nothing. Everyone loved him. Like, people would ask my daughter, what's he like? He was great, and we loved him, and he was everything that we'd wanted for Mom and everything that she'd been looking for, and then he wasn't. The longer it went on, the less Mum told me. I'm James Valentine, and this is Life's Booming Dare to Date. The Captain. Late one night, while scanning an internet dating site, Michelle found a particular profile by the name of Flyer Boy. There was something about his description that captivated her. This felt different, and so she did something uncharacteristic. She made the first move. I saw his profile and I read it. I don't know why, no photo, and I thought he sounded great. So I sent him a message and it sort of started from there. We talked for eight or nine hours the first night. Beautiful voice. That's what struck me first up, was he had a beautiful voice. Eight-hour conversation. Did that really happen? Yes. He said all the right things and wanted to do the things that I wanted to do and live the life happily that I wanted. When I first met him, I was a little bit shocked because he looked older than I thought he was. His photo... He put it up briefly on his profile, wearing the captain's uniform. He looked very different in that photo to when I met him, and I did think he looked older than he'd said. Looks don't make me like somebody, so we sat and we chatted. And partway through the conversation, he just leaned over and kissed me, which I thought was nice. We did connect on many levels after that, and walked for hours around the opera house and I slipped a couple of times, which was funny. He right. thought that was funny. <laughs> I did feel a bit klutzy, but it was a, a damp evening. You were falling for him. I, literally, hmm? literally, James. Yeah. And I did very, very quickly. Yeah. because I, And I don't think I'd ever really been in love before that. She'd had relationships before, but none had made her feel this way. Was the captain the man for her? He made her feel alive and adventurous. That could be in part because he was a pilot. Oh, yes, and a captain. Captain. captain not a, whatever the offsider is of a pilot. Co-pilot, co-captain. Yes, yes. This is not an aviation podcast, it's fine. Yes, yeah. <laughs> He didn't stop talking about aviation, going into detail about flight paths, protocols and dramas at work. 
Despite her lack of interest in aviation, in all other ways, the captain became the centre of her world. Michelle and the captain were now ready to go public. So he starts meeting your friends and your family? Everyone. Everyone. Every single person in my life. We drove to Queensland for him to meet my son and grandson, and everyone loved him. Like, people would ask my daughter, what's he like? And they'd say, we love him. Bronte, daughter of Michelle. Tell me about the first meeting, first time you met the captain. We thought he was lovely. He tells you he's a captain straight off the bat, mm. and he knows a lot. Like, if you get stuck talking to him about planes, my God, sit there for 45 minutes. So what was he like around the family? Comfortable. It was easy. It was like having, like, another dad. Well, how's Michelle's dating checklist going? Makes her feel alive? Check. Makes her feel desired? Check. Proud to be with him? Tick. Approved by family and friends? Yeah. The L word? Not a check yet, but looking promising. The M word? Too soon. Money and romantic trips away. Well, there's a bonus. Oh, yeah. We had a beautiful weekend on the central coast at Nelson Bay. And within days of us getting back, he rang me and he said, I've contacted them about us having our wedding reception there. He did ask me to marry. He said, would you marry me? And I said, yes. And he said, well, I'm not asking you. You'll know when I'm asking you. I felt that it was the first time I'd been in love. I told him I loved him on my birthday, which was probably five weeks after we met. He forced that out of me because he said, I think there's something you want to say to me. And I did, and he told me he loved me too. He said to me, I will never love anyone the way I love you. And I'd wanted that all my life. Michelle couldn't help but feel an itch. It didn't make sense. Her feelings of love were powerful, but it was almost too perfect. Was it him or was it her? I thought he was the love of my life and it was about three weeks into the relationship that uh, I questioned him and I said, something tells me that you're married and I was assured vehemently that he wasn't can't even really remember why I thought that. Your mother's saying to you, I'm not really sure, and you're going, why, what? He seems great. Yeah, because initially she was like, oh, I think there's something, like maybe he's married. And my response was, he can't be married because you go so many places and they're not little off the beaten track places. They're places that they were going. There could be someone to run into mm. there that would know him. Mm. So we were just like, surely that's not it. Like, what is, like, there's something, but we don't know what it is, but I don't think he's married, but I don't know what it is, but there was definitely, quite early on, suspicions. Michelle realised that although he was fully part of her life now, well, who was he really? Who was the captain? Why hadn't she seen any sign of his family? Who were his workmates? What was his house like? I mean, he was very focused on his career, so... Maybe that's why he didn't have a wide circle of friends. I did meet one person, and it was in a little wine bar in Newtown. And every time he went to the bathroom, he'd come out with his phone ringing, or he would have received a phone call when he was in the bathroom, or it would ring within minutes of him coming out. 
It was always flight operations or something like that. But within moments of him coming out of the bathroom at this wine bar, a young couple walked past and he called out. He said, oh, this is Michael. I flew with him yesterday. He was my whatever that we can't the, remember the word. The <laughs> Yes, <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> um, and, oh, you know, Peter, this is Michelle. And this poor guy looked a bit dear in the headlights. And so did his girlfriend or partner. I thought, wow, I've met someone. Throughout the relationship, they'd spend their evenings together at Michelle's place, but whenever she brought up staying at his, he had some excuse, and this was the one thing that always seemed odd. Why couldn't she stay over at his place? The first night that I was due to stay at his house, I'd cooked him dinner, taken it all to work. Every part of the dinner was in the fridge at work all day, so excited he was flying back from Haneda in Japan. I didn't hear from him. So at about 7.30, I texted him and I said, oh, I hope everything's okay. And he rang me and said, oh, I'm so sorry, I slept through. And that was the first time. And I think the second time we'd gone out with friends to a trivia night, get back to his house, he goes to get my bag out of the car, comes back to me to the front seat and said, I've lost my keys. This is midnight. To his house? Yes. It was an apartment block. So we're in the driveway. Oh, so you think you're going to his house? Yeah, we were at, at the, the moment, house. At the moment of going, he goes, oh, where's my keys? I've lost the keys. And I said, aren't they on your car keys? No, I keep them separately. And OK, so I had to ring the friend whose friend had organised the trivia night, get them to go and unlock the hall where it was, go through bins there, walk through the car park, search everywhere, nothing. So then we had to go back to my place. And then he flew to Canberra the next morning uh, to pick up the spare set of keys from his son. He said that he'd rented an apartment near me as well. We went and chose furniture and a bed, beautiful bed, and he never ordered anything when he was with me. He'd tell me the next day, oh, I rang and ordered that. It's being delivered. And I was so excited because it was five minutes up the road from me and I thought this is going to be our first night together in his space. And... There was a massive plumbing problem. Oh, bugger. Yeah. 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 He would always say, if things happened, it's not my fault because we'd be due to do things and then he'd say, I've been asked to fly and I would be disappointed, obviously, because there were things planned and and he'd say, it's not my fault. Changes were happening, excuses were mounting, quirks once charming now seem contemptible. And although he seemed just as in love, the captain's work and life choices were often interfering with the simple relationship stuff. And look, I'm no aviation expert, but I thought the pilots were required to fly the planes, not fix them. He'd get called over at two o'clock in the morning to go and have a look at a plane that had come in that had had problems that he'd flown in because there was always an issue, you know, uh, someone with a medical thing or, you know, that would hold him up. And he wore the uniform? Oh, yes, I ironed that uniform. <laughs> Many times. Had so the, the little jacket, wheelie the bag. Shirt, no, the tie. I never saw the jacket or the tie or the hat. Um. Had the lanyard, but not the proper ID card. <laughs> I felt like a bit of a detective yeah. because I would ask questions. Oh, it's in my car. Hmm. Uh, or it's in a locker at the airport. So by the uniform, it's just the white shirt. It was the, the white shirt with the, well, he called them epilepsy, but, the, you know, the epaulets, the, the bands with the 
So I'd iron it all beautifully for him and off he'd go with his wheelie bag with the little embroidered cloth badge on it that said flight crew. He didn't know that epilepsy was wrong? Is that what you mean? <laughs> I told him it was wrong, but uh, I don't like to correct people no, with but... it. But I said, oh, no, epaulets, not epilepsy. Right. <laughs> You'd think if he'd been hanging around others with epaulets on their shirt, they might have come up. How do you like the epaulets? You know, like... Epaulets. The original overwhelming feelings of happiness and love were being replaced by disappointment and suspicion. And although Michelle was finding holes in the captain's tangled stories, her friends and family were causing her to doubt her doubts. It was a very windy weekend in Sydney and he'd told me he'd flown to Melbourne and that he couldn't get back for the weekend that we had planned. And the next thing he texted me and told me he was in Brisbane because he couldn't land in Sydney. And I speak to this friend and she said, no, no, it is really windy. And, you know, everyone wants me to be happy. So yeah. they're sort of rallying around me and sort of making excuses for him. So as you're introducing him, nobody says, none of the friends, none of the family say, um, just one little thing. No one has any suspicions? Nothing. Every time we went away, we were going to something, like we were going to a gala dinner, and I had a beautiful dress. Everything, everything was new. And halfway there, we stopped so he could go to the bathroom, and he came out and he said, oh, the man who the dinner was in honour of, his brother has died in Perth, so he's had to fly to Perth. But he said, well, we'll meet the other couple, who was his friend from, he said he was in the Air Force. We'll meet them and have dinner with them. But then their daughter went into labour and had to be airlifted to Sydney, so there are elaborate stories. It's not just sort of like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm a bit late. Or, no. Yeah. no. As time wore on, it was, what's this one going to be? Mm. You know, how are you going to make this drag on? His brother-in-law cut his arm on glass, so that was a whole weekend of surgery, and he didn't then have full use of his hand. Mm. And Was that common, that kind of detail? Oh, yes, yes. He had a son, but you never met no, the son? No, I didn't meet anyone. You never met anyone? No one. My older brother, he had met the captain a few times and my older brother knows a lot about cars and he's worked in cars, knows everything and the captain had spoken to him about cars and something that he'd said was very wrong. And because if it had been said to me, I would have had no idea, but because he'd said it to someone who knew about it, he had picked up on it. So my brother and I were then talking and we thought that there was something because there were little things that weren't adding up so I would talk to him a lot, and he was like, I just don't think he's telling the truth. So you were worried? We were, yeah. The crusade for truth consumed all of her. All she wanted was her love with him to be OK, to be all that she imagined it was. But Michelle was now caught in the captain's bewildering web of love and lies, adventure and anxiety. I knew that there was something very wrong when Mum stopped talking to me because she realised if she spoke to me, it would be real and she'd be vocalising it and it'd be something that then we would know and we would be suspicious as well. But we were already suspicious on our own. Mm -hmm. We just said to her, I think both my older brother and I said to her, like, you need to be careful because you don't know what he's capable of. I'm sorry to bring it up, but your father died, right? Mm. So how does he deal with that? How did you deal with that? I was with my father when he died and I think he died at about quarter past six and then I got back to my son's, it was about 7.30 and he rang me 
and how are things going? And I said, oh, Dad died just after six o'clock. And the anger that he showed that I hadn't rung him straight away. I tried to pull it back in then. I was apologising because I hadn't rung him straight away. Mother's Day, I bought one of oh, a cookbook for his mum and he even wanted me to write on the card that I got for him to send to her for Mother's Day and I addressed I had to chase him for the address because Mother's Day was getting closer and he gave me the address and I sent her and it was being tracked and I was getting notifications from Australia Post and the next thing I got a notification saying attempted delivery not known at this address. And he said, oh, I've given you the street number of their house that they used to live in. Very quick. And then straight away, I'm not lying. I'm not lying. And I was starting to shut down then. Even though daughter Bronte had her suspicions and knew he was not a good guy for her mother, she personally had never seen anything wrong until now. We were out for dinner at a trivia night and we were talking about my daughter's birthday. And he was like, what's, what's this about? What are you talking about? And I was like, oh, just for my birthday, like, I'm going to do just lunch with mum and my boyfriend. He was furious. He was like, like... Was it clicking the... Pe- oh, he was hitting he the was table. He was hitting the table with yes, his fist. pounding the table. And, like, it was... His whole body language changed and you could see the anger towards mum. Even though it was my decision, it was my birthday, but he was like banging his his fists on the table and throwing pens and then he'd pick up the pen and click, 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 click the pen. Like the anger, the change in him was I hadn't seen that before. Mm. And I immediately was like, oh my God. And then it, the whole dinner was so uncomfortable. Like we were sitting there and it was just silent. And I was like, oh my God, like what is happening? Mm. And that's when we walked out and he grabbed, wouldn't let go of mum's hand, grabbed her hand. Because I went to let it go. I can't remember what he said, but I went to let his hand go and his hand just crushed around mine and I was scared. I've never experienced anything like that in my life. So you tried to catch him out. You tried to catch him out about being a pilot. Yes. So I was talking to one of my best friends about it and she has four kids. And we devised a little plan to say that one of her kids had an assignment on an airline, which was the airline that he said he worked for, and they wanted to know what a pilot's licence looked like. So my boyfriend and I sat down and I'd spoken to him about it and I was like, we need to do it naturally. So it's not like really obvious, like, show me your pilot's licence. We did the whole story like, oh, he's doing an assignment and he's doing it on the airline you say you work for. can we see your pilot's license? Like, what does it look like? Is it physical? Is it digital? And he was like, oh, no, 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 it doesn't exist. There's no actual pilot's license. And my boyfriend was like, oh, like, to get into an airline or to get into the airport, don't you have to show some some form of identification? He was like, oh, no, they all know me. I don't need a a license to show them. And we were like, we were digging. We tried and tried and tried because he loves talking about planes. Nothing. And we'd Googled and there is some kind of licence that they have because they have to. Oh. But he's very quick, so he would say, oh, no, no, like, just really quickly, oh, no, they know me, or I know everyone there. Oh. Or I just, if they question me, I just go up to the, the desk and get someone else to verify me. Because that's how airports work these oh, days. Oh, yeah. 
I just walk in and say, I'm a pilot, yeah. and they let me in. Look at the epilepsy. Yeah, exactly, my epilepsy. Oh, God. See, I would have been onto the free tickets, uh, the upgrades. Like, that would have been my first thing. You know, oh, so where can we go? Yeah. Now, you busted him using the iPad. Oh, we did. What did you do? I felt like a detective. Yeah. So Mum had been given an iPad by him and it had saved his password in the password thing on Apple that mm. saves them. And once we realised that, I thought we should log into his email mm. and see what we could find. And we found that he'd purchased, like, a flight simulation game online that was quite real. There was correspondence between him and the game customer service saying, oh, when I flew from Melbourne to Sydney, the lights on the runway didn't light up on the right-hand side. Or there was a glitch and the trees weren't on the side. So I think he genuinely believed that he was a pilot and he was playing this game that was very real to him, but it wasn't real. So that's probably how he knew because he was doing this package that was really imitating what the flight paths were and everything. So I thought that that was like, that blew my mind because I was like, he's genuinely thinking that this is real. The first anniversary of any relationship is a big deal. For Michelle, it was the wake-up call she needed to shift her thoughts from trying to untangle the elaborate stories on her own to recruiting others to help her with the detective work. I went to my boss and I burst into tears and she just said, close the door. And I told her she couldn't believe it because he'd met all of my work colleagues as well. Everyone was so happy for me. The address that he'd given me that he owned coincided with his pilot number, sort of married up with the address that he'd given me of the the apartment that he owned. That's how my mind was made to work because I was constantly trying to work out if he was telling the truth. So we did a title search, a property search, and I found out the name of the person that owned said apartment and did a bit of research myself, and I rang her. Lovely, lovely lady, and I said to her, I've met someone that lives at this address, that owns this address. And she said, oh, honey, I own that house. I own that apartment. And she said, but there is a man that lives there. It could be him, but I don't... She said, from the sound of you, I don't think it would be him because he's got very high pants and very daggy shirts. And I said, well, that could have been him because in the beginning that was him and it wasn't. So then I had a, I have a friend who does a little bit of investigative work and I, that's when I found out that the birth date was right but not the year, that he was five years older than me, that he never lived in that apartment. And then when I questioned him, he said, but I wanted to buy that. And I said, but you didn't. Right. It wasn't yours. Why that one? Right. When it kept happening and happening and happening that I didn't go to his house... I would pack my bag thinking I was going, but knowing I wouldn't. Mm. And I said, Tim, you need to tell me why. There has to be a reason you need to tell me why. And he said, because I lived there with my ex-wife and I want a fresh start with you. And I said, if you had have told me that in the beginning, it would have, none of this would have happened because that was all we argued about. Right. Was, there was nothing else. Yeah. There was nothing else to argue it's about. It's just not making sense, right? Mm. You're never meeting anybody, you're never there.
you do the research, mm. you found out. Mm. Did you find out he was married at that point? Yes, because both of their names are on the... We did that title search as well and we found the electoral roll and the title. Right. But, you know, part of me thought, what if it's his sister? Only because I wow. wanted that to be that. Yeah. I know where his wife works and I know people that probably know her but I can't, I can't ask yeah. because I'm not... I would never contact her. Did you find anything else? We found quite a lot. So there was um, him and his wife had applied for a car loan. So both their names are on there, and that was during the time that Mum was seeing him. A redundancy package that he'd been offered from the job he was actually doing that wasn't a pilot. Um, there were just little things that was correspondence with his wife. Here's the job he actually has. Here's the wife. Yeah. How did your mother react to these emails? We were shocked because I think... Mum still had hope that he was telling the truth. And even after finding out a lot of stuff, Mum said to me, you have to accept it if I end up still seeing him. And I said, absolutely not. Like, you know he's lying. There's so much. We've found out he's older than he is and he's married and he lives here and he does all of this. And you know everything that he said. How do you believe anything moving forward is true? But I think she was just so hopeful that he was who he said he was, that she was preparing me to have to accept that. Mm. And I just, absolutely not. Like, she deserves so much better than that. I did think I was losing my mind. Yeah. And that's when I ended up spilling everything to my daughter, who, of course, my family... I don't think... Well, they'll say they hate him, but... I do hate him. I'm hating him. I can't, I want to, yeah. but I can't. What did you say to him to say, OK, I know this is a lie? I said, why? And he said, because I was in love with you. And I said, yes, but it wasn't your place for me to have an affair. That was my decision. I said, where did she think you were? And he said, she doesn't care. And I said, no, that's not an answer. Mm. Where does she think you are? And he said, as I said, she didn't care. And I said, were you ever going to leave her for me? And he said, yes. He was highly sensitive to criticism, had attachment and dependency issues. His empathy was self-serving. He was passive-aggressive. He created grandiose fantasies. This was the captain. A difficult personality or a sophisticated scheme? The last time I actually saw him after I'd finished work and he still claimed that everything that he'd told me was true. I said, I know you're not a pilot. And he said, I was, but I'm doing something different now. He cried and said, you know, I hope I can get better and I'll always love you and all this sort of thing. But that night that you finished, the last night, when it was raining and I picked you up in the rain, it mm. was like a movie. He rang me and he was like, can you please come and pick up your mum? And I was Cause like... Because I'd promised I wouldn't get in the car with him and it was pouring. Because mm. I was scared. I didn't know what he was going to do. And I said to her, you can go, but please, please don't go anywhere with him. And he rang me and said, can you please go and pick up your mum? And I was like, what's happened? 
he was like, just go and pick her up because you just left and were walking up the street and it was pouring with rain. And then I found you, you were walking. Oh, you nearly I nearly crashed the car because I just had a blinding, like, white pot rage because I just wanted to get to her because I didn't know what would happen because I don't think I could get onto you and you were so upset you probably couldn't speak anyway. But as soon as mum got in the car, he was calling and calling and calling her and I, I grabbed your phone. Don't you dare call her ever again. Do not contact her ever again. Michelle was free, but she'd paid a hefty price. I don't want this to happen to anyone because I thought I was smarter than that. Uh, but I suppose everyone wants the love of their life and they're happy ever after. And, like, you know, I wanted someone for the rest of my life. I'd like to think I was the only one. Yeah. yeah. I asked him that. Yeah. And he said... Yes. Yeah, wow. And there's, there's still the feeling there, isn't there? It's Absolutely. Not, you know, yeah, I'm sorry, but I can, you know, I can see it. It's still there, isn't it? Wow. Wow. It's the, it's, it's the power of love. That's, that's, what, that's what it does. It shouldn't be like this, though. Yeah. It's yeah. ten months now. Someone said to me, you know, three months and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. It's not. Mm-hmm. He has contacted me a few times and... I love thunderstorms, and um, he texted me and said, you know, I'm thinking of you, there's a massive thunderstorm here. And I still, my heart still jumps. And yeah. He's still loving. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't deserve that, though, James. God, no. Mm. But there were, there were so many red flags that you think, at my age... I would have put two and two together, but I didn't. I don't think I wanted the answer. Because mm. oh, I thought that he was my forever. Mm. And he promised me that. Do you think that he loved you? I'd like to think he did. I think so. I think so. Mm. But because everything for that whole 12 months, I'm sure, was a lie, maybe not. Because we did go so many places everywhere, I can't go anywhere now because there's memories Mm. everywhere I go, Mm. everywhere. And no one should be made to feel like that because if you really love someone, you wouldn't do that to them. Mm. So, sorry. I wanted to be able to stop crying. I was devastated for Mum because you could see how much she loved him and it was really hard for me to see how deeply he'd affected her and even now I can see whenever she's going on a date or talking to someone new, there are so many reservations and so much. I know in the back of her mind she would rather be with him. Mm even now after knowing everything and it makes me so sad knowing that this is probably something that she'll take with her for the rest of her life knowing oh like the immediate initial thought is he's lying he's lying he's lying he's lying someone is an hour late or something it's always oh my god he's with his wife or he's doing something else that's not true when before that you'd believe the best in people and mum always did but now after that's happened that's not the case Mm. Wow. 
What do you think about him now? Do you think he's a bad person? Is the captain an evil guy? I should think that. I should think that. And I can't. Mm. I want to think that. Which would probably make things easier for mm. me. Because trust is so difficult for me now. Right. You know, if I, oh, I'm sort of still on the dating scene. And if someone says, let's go away for the weekend, in my mind, up until the moment they arrive, it's not going to happen. Mm. And I don't want to live like that. Yeah. Like, that sounds incredibly difficult. Yeah. If you're then still trying to meet people and yeah. there's that, that sort of thing. Have yeah. you told anybody you've met about um, the captain? It's getting less and less because when I do, it's like, you know, I thought, you know, you were smarter than that, basically, not in those words, but, mm. you know, how could you have believed that for that length of time? And so I do tell less and less right. people yeah. because it doesn't sound real yeah. and it makes me sound stupid yeah. if you do have suspicions look into them don't just hope that it's going to go away and that you're imagining it because that's what I was told you're imagining things why are you trying to destroy what we have you're imagining things you know if I was married I wouldn't be here with you no one should have suspicions I suppose but after what I've experienced I do, which is sad because I could miss out on something by being too cautious and mistrusting. How do you leave this kind of relationship? You walk away. Despite everything her heart and head were telling her, Michelle found the courage to tear herself away from the web of lies the captain had woven and the promises he deceived her with. Although she loved him, she knew she deserved better. This is Michelle walking away. Michelle shared her story because she didn't want anyone else to have to experience the same heartbreak. Elizabeth Shaw is the CEO of Relationships Australia, New South Wales, and has heard Michelle's story. Elizabeth, hi. Hi. I mean, even saying it's a relationship sounds kind of wrong to me. Yeah, and yet it's a year and Michelle felt very solidly in that relationship and he was part of her family and met all her friends and kids and so, of course, it was completely a relationship. It was the man she was seeing. So what did you make of it? It's brutal, isn't it, to hear the level of deception and the level of effort that it takes to maintain deception like that. It's a big story, isn't it? And it's not a one-night stand. You can't put it down to anything in a lightweight, mischievous way, that took work. That really took work to maintain. This is gaslighting, right? Yeah, there's aspects of it that are definitely gaslighting, specifically making you believe something that isn't true. So we're saying, this is my reality, and the person saying, no, your reality is completely false. Mm. That deception is about fostering the vulnerability, manipulating the person into feeling more bonded to the protagonist and making you feel more sort of dependent on them. What do we make of Michelle then? Because we look at this in hindsight, we'll all say, her friends would say, oh, we all knew, yeah. oh, wasn't it obvious, yeah. that sort of thing. She says herself that as early as three weeks in, she thinks he's married, yeah. you know, suspicious that he's married, yeah. and seems to have sort of quite a lot of suspicions quite early on, but persists. What's going on there? 
Well, her heart was on the line. I guess it's as simple and as difficult as that. Most of us test our bottom lines in relationships when we're single. You know, if anyone cheated on me, I'd be out. If anyone lied to me, I'd be out. If anyone hit me, I'd be out. But once you're involved with someone and you really want them and they appear to have so much going for them, we end up doing this version of psychological algebra. We want it to turn out the way we want it to turn out. So we keep juggling the facts so that they come out the way that we want to. So what would you recommend? I'm sort of listening to this story thinking, look, you could have all the warning signs in the world and you still, Mm. you know, you might still just fall into this. To be involved in dating, you need to feel hope and trust. The greatest strength and empowerment comes from who am I and am I ready? And what Michelle did really well, I think, and even now is able to do, is to trust her own judgment. Yes, he reassured her and she let that inner voice be quietened and soothed. But those red flags we should always listen to. And in a good relationship, you should be able to take your red flag to your partner and get a reasonable response. Now, she got a whole lot of lies, which initially were hard to tell the difference from fact and fantasy. But generally, if you took a concern to a partner, what you want is a decent hearing and a decent response. So even if you're wrong, I'm not saying that a red flag is always correct. What you want is a partner who will take you seriously. So in those moments of checking, it's also a way to check on, is this a relationship where we can talk about the tough things? Is it a relationship where my partner gives me the respect of taking me seriously? If I raise a concern, do they actually want to fix it or do they tell me I'm crazy? So, in fact, it's often the presenting of the material that you learn a lot more about the quality of the relationship. You need to be able to trust and you can't protect your heart from the hurt. The hurt is actually part of the deal. You're going to have ups and downs in a relationship. Don't let go of the red flags, but don't think they're necessarily a fact. Elizabeth Shaw, thank you so much. Pleasure. This has been Life's Booming, Dare to Date. If you like this episode, don't forget to tell your friends in person and online like, rate and share. If you've got a story to share, please email lifesbooming at seniors.com.au. I'm James Valentine. I'll speak with you again next time.